Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. Welcome to my Grief and Happiness podcast today. I've got a delightful guest that you're going to love talking with, or listening to us talk, I guess. And he, he wrote a beautiful book about, well, he'll we'll talk about what it's about, but he's so generous with what he was writing in there. I, I see so many people, I read lots of books that, that have something to do with grief, and so many of them are kind of on one track through the whole thing, but he's got lots of different things to share. And I found that really interesting. So I am very happy to see you today, AJ Coleman, and from Chicago, I guess. Yes, welcome. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Great to be here. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Can you tell our guests a little bit about you and your situation? So when I was... uh in grade school, when they asked you to write, you know, where do you see yourself, you know, years later? And, you know, never did I ever phantom that I would be a widower 10, 15 years later, raising a daughter. And uh, I had lost my wife due to a really ugly brain cancer. And uh, I was young, I was 32 at the time of her diagnosis, she was 30. And we had just started beginning life together. And through the years, uh, us trying to fight the disease, it was about a 17, 16 month battle and we lost. And, but it's what I've learned is how to move forward in life, find happiness again, and really remain a source of strength for my daughter. I really do believe that we are all have a defining purpose in life and certain life's missions. And I didn't understand what my life's mission was at that time, but now my life's mission is to come out and just meet with people like yourselves and just share my experiences, share who I am, and, and really help put people back into what I call celebration of life with their loved ones. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's uh, it usually takes a while to to get to that point where you can just say I'm I'm happy to be here and happy to help other people on on the way and and I love that I think that's really beautiful. You've had lots of different experiences along the way to get to this point, and I think one of the things that it's being your daughter was so young when your wife died mm-hmm. how did you do with that where did you get support from other people did you pretty much stick to yourself how, how did you handle that it was at first a challenge because you're dealing with grief and then at the same time my daughter was she was only like 16 months old so she was really not in tune to really understanding what was happening you know, a lot of what her memories are are short term about her mother trying to raise her, trying to figure out 
a career as well and balancing that out along with the financials that come in from the hospital and the endless doctor bills. I didn't have a support group that I can go to to talk. And part of that, I think, was because I was so dedicated to, I guess, rising up and, and trying to prove to others that whatever is thrown my direction, I can handle. I think a lot of people expected me to collapse, to fall down after my wife passed. You know, here we are with a newborn baby. You know, my wife's parents, my in-laws, they struggle with their own grief. And what happens is start, in their minds, start replacing their daughter with their granddaughter and have various input into how she should be raised and trying to compensate for the loss. And it was challenging. I, I, I did my best. I, I know I made mistakes. I had a lot of head scratching moments. But when I look back at how far we've come, it was really a, an experience. And the one thing that I would go back and do again if I had to was find the right support find people I can talk to who understand what I've gone through and can help me understand what some of the future looks like in terms of raising a child as a single parent. So I I struggled in some aspects like that, but I think if I peel back a little bit, my entire life has sort of prepared me for the grief loss. I have accepted grief as a child through disability, through anxiety, trying to navigate through uncertainty that way, and learning some of the tips to overcome some of those challenges really put me in a better place to help cope during that time of grief as soon as my wife passed away to enable me to be a better father, to be strong. And my success as a father was really based on my daughter. I mean, she was my source of strength. I knew I had to be strong for her. I had to show her the way. And in my private moments, I can certainly break down and, and question and just really just take that time to be emotional. But in front of my daughter, I had to stay strong. I had to tell her, how much her mother loved her, how much, you know, she wishes she was here. And we made it work. And I think today, talking to my daughter, we keep her mother very much alive within our celebration with the anniversaries, with birthdays. And sometimes she uses the card, well, mommy would probably want me to do this. And I'm going to say, well, mommy probably would have wanted you to do that. So we kind of go back and forth sometimes in a humorous way, trying to navigate through, but uh, definitely challenging. When it first happened, if you don't have a great support group or a release to get your emotions out, I think it just prolongs the grief much longer than most people would want it to. It, you, I think you're right there. It, it, it's very important to be able to talk or share or do something in some way. That's why I encourage people to write so much and not only write, but to talk about what they wrote with somebody else. And it, it gives them something in common that they can actually talk about. And they just, 
that we have a, a gathering every Sunday where we do that together. We'll write about something and then talk about it and learn happiness practices. And at the end of the, the gathering, every time, everybody's smiling. And I just, I love that. I, I tried a couple of like grief group things that I, I just, everybody was sad. So, and my, my husband, Jacques, my first husband who died, was an expert on living and dying. He was a bioethicist and he taught classes on that. And he facilitated a group in our community and it called Bereaved Persons Association. And he'd come home and he'd, he'd tell me about these people. They, the same, a lot of the same people would come every time, tell the same story every time and cry through it every time. And he would just be exhausted when he got home. And I said, we, I understand them wanting to do it, but can, can you direct them to talk about something else besides that same story? So it it was it was very interesting. I knew I didn't want to be in a group like that. I that I it wouldn't serve me. And I wanted something that would help me feel stronger, feel better about myself. Yeah, I think one of the I would say key attributes to healing is the closure part. Mm -hmm. When it when a loved one moves on and how they moved on, whether it's a sudden loss or whether it's just been a progression of, of an illness of some sort. And in my situation, I did my best to give my wife the best storybook ending. And we spent a lot of time getting her to the right medicine, the right doctors to prolong her life as long as we could. And she lived long enough to see our daughter walk oh. and be the first one to see it and call me and say, the kid is walking. But at the end, when the time was near, something told me deep in my heart to bring my daughter to the hospital and just let her snuggle up with her mother. And I did not know at the time that it would be really the last time my wife's eyes were open. She gave my daughter a kiss and turned around and watched her daughter and then closed her eyes and never woke again. So I find a lot of comfort that's enabled me to overcome some grief. You know, I gave her that storybook and she didn't want to see me. She wanted to see her daughter. And the fact that I was able to give that to her brings a tremendous amount of that comfort back to me, which enables me to come forward today to share the story. So it's not necessarily to me a sad story because it was a storybook ending. I I smile because it was a, I know I did something good. I know exactly what she wanted. And I think that that's when she said, that's how she wanted to go out with that memory and that image of her daughter. And I wouldn't, have written a better ending yeah that's so beautiful so Thank beautiful you. i i think uh how you mentioned that you just kind of knew it was time to take your daughter and and go at that time i, I think that happens to lots of us when uh, the end is approaching that we'll have a sense of where we need to be and what we need to be doing or saying or being with at that point and it it really helps when that's that's happening. And I, and I do believe there are signs everywhere. 
and, and a lot of times we just have to let things progress naturally and just be patient and and just slow down and look to see. I mean, there are so many times I'm sure any of us have like, whoa, ha, ha, one step further, I would have been hit by a car, right? Or something else and near misses, as I like to call it. And sometimes I believe it's our loved ones that are protecting us from afar. And I think that also adds a lot of comfort knowing that you're never really truly alone. And I find myself sometimes just talking openly to my wife and say, hey, come sit next to me. Come tell me about your day. And sometimes you got to use your little imagination and feel like you're having a conversation. But I try to look for different signs, maybe like a leaf rustling from afar coming toward me or you know, I'll ask something and I'll wait for a response and something will happen. I think a lot of these things help move forward, that forward progression. So people can find happiness again. And we shouldn't live our lives in mourning. And I think a lot of happiness really comes from within. Yes, you get counseling. Yes, you talk to people in support groups. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's in the same exact situation that you woke up from. And it's up to you to empower yourself to move forward and to take everything that you've done, all the good, and be proud and say, I've done all I can. And that's how you celebrate life. And that's how you celebrate your loved one, whether they're here or not, you will see them again. And you just continue to live your life through that strength. And I, I, I do believe in karma. I do believe in the spirituality stuff. I have seen some weird things in recent days leading up to through the years that I, I can't explain other than I'm sure somebody on the other side was protecting me. I, I think so. I, and I think that the key is... I'm trying to figure the best way to say this the key is being open to and paying attention to those nudges that uh, e either that somebody is guiding you to do something or say something or to not do something or say something to just be still sometimes it's a lot of times we get so involved in what's happening that we we can lose ourselves in that and it's it's really important to be able to pay attention and it sounds yes. like you're really good at paying attention <laughs> i i do i i try to uh, observe and that goes back to my past where i'm very observant um, i look to see and try to anticipate things before it happens and that's just part of who i am right and that that's how i'm structured and when times are tough or challenging i try to find ways to go around, try to find ways to climb above and to move forward. But it does take time and it does take energy to realize that you may be stuck in a place today, but it doesn't mean you have to stay there tomorrow. That's right. There's, there's always other choices you can make all the time. And if the first one wasn't your best, then you can try another one. Yes. 
You know, one of the things that I, I, I think that most people think about when it comes to mourning is they've seen too many movies, mm -hmm. TV shows, and they believe that that's how you're supposed to act. That's how you're supposed to mourn. You're supposed to be sad. You're supposed to talk. And you, know, you set up a calendar and say, for the next nine months, I'm in a mourning phase. And I think while that's just what people believe, I think that's what the movies and the TV shows have taught us. And I think we have the opportunity to flip the switch and say, you know what? I'm going to mourn, but I'm not going to sit in bed every day. And a lot of times people try to share and tell you what they think on how you should be. Oh, wait, he's going out. He should be home, you know, sitting on the couch, looking at the pictures of, you know, his wife. Or she's going out with girlfriend. Well, she should stay home and, and on a Saturday night and just be by herself because that date night, right? And I think a lot of people get into that. And I try to teach and educate not only myself, but others that says there is no blueprint for mourning. You have to go your own marathon race. And people are always going to share what they think. They're going to cheer you on. Some of them may just question whether you're going too fast, too slow. But the finish line is still the same finish line, whether you get there quickly or you take your time. But the key principle on all this is that you're still moving forward. And I think that's really important for that healing process and ultimately finding happiness again. It, it sounds like you're describing the name of your book, <laughs> that, uh, that that whole moving forward process is, is just so critically important and and your book is keep those feet moving can you can you tell us how it got that title and what that means I, I never envisioned writing a book you know those years in grade school and the English class uh, was not my strong point so uh, if somebody had told me I you would write a book I would have thought that no way but what I found through writing it helped me sort of talk about my feelings deep, things that I've never told anybody, things I've never shared before, and it really gives some insights to my daughter about what I've gone through in my life, what I went through during her mother's illness and ultimately the passing, raising her as a single parent. And when it came to deciding a title for a book, I mean, I just couldn't figure out what it was but I had a blog that was also called Keep Those Feet Moving that I had started back in 2013. And how I got the name of it, it was funny because you know, when we come into crisis mode, we, we get into a particular jam, our first stop is just standing there and just looking around, not knowing what to do. And we look lost and we struggle to take that next step. And the idea was keeping those feet moving is I was actually picking up dry cleaning and normally I would take a right to go home, but we had train tracks in the area and there was a freight train that was going through the town 
that I ended up taking the left to go the long way around. And I just muttered to myself, you got to keep those feet moving. And then I nearly drove off the road because I'm like, that's it. And it resonates so well with us because it promotes action. It promotes movement. And that, to me, empowers you to heal. It empowers you to look at things from a different perspective. As long as you're moving, as long as you're creating action, you're doing something. And I think that's where people get stagnated and just sitting on a couch, sitting here for extended periods of time. It's okay to mourn, you know, for a period of time, but you can't take that lifetime of mourning. We have our own lives to live. And that's kind of where they'll keep those feet moving. And I make a lot of reference it, just not knowing I do, but it's to promote, to empower, to motivate others to just get up and go walk around. Walking is great. And that's kind of what I keep saying, those steps forward, all steps. Yeah. And and I, what I'm hearing you say is that you're reminding yourself to keep those feet moving now, to, to not be stuck. And that is, I'm, it looks like it's helped you really well because you've written a beautiful book and you. you just uh, are, it tells such a, a positive story that is reaffirming to people that even if they're in, in early grief, I kind of consider the early part, the mourning part where it's just really hard to do anything else. But the grief, you can carry that. And I think most people do carry their grief throughout the rest of their lives. It's just, it's not mourning. It's not that you're sitting and sobbing and that sort of thing, but you still love whoever it was that, that died. You know, people say to me, uh, how can, how can you love two husbands at once? Well, they didn't have them at the same time, for one thing. <laughs> I was married to uh, Jacques for 22 years, and I was with Ron for 10 years and married for six of that. And I loved both. I still love both of them. And it didn't, because I loved one, it didn't mean that I had the other. So my, my common answer when somebody says something like that is, how many children do you have? You know, because people can have 20 children and they love all of them. So why can't I love two husbands, you know? Yeah, I think it goes back to what people perceive. Uh-huh. And the disbelief that some people think that you can only have one person to love, mm -hmm. one person to be with. And it might work well for some people, but for others like yourself and others who decide that they really enjoy companionship, as long as it's natural, I think it's healthy. You know, I, I have heard and read articles about people who have lost their spouse and like a week later, they're going out and meeting other people and people get very upset. And I, I say, why? Why, would, why does that upset? People have different priorities in life. They have different needs. Some people really love companionship. And the thought of being on their own, isolated a little bit is scary. And in their opinion, it's like, hey, I, I want to find somebody I can talk to and relate. But it's also their way of coping. And there again, there's no blueprint to dating. There's no blueprint to mourning. And if it's going to get you out of bed, 
gets you living, finding happiness. And the other misconception I think that's out there is that we move on in life and we forget about our loved ones. And I and I disagree with that. I, I think we move on and we carry our loved ones with us. And as we date others, it takes a special person to recognize and say, okay, you lost your first spouse. I'm not in competition with them. I'm here for you. I'm here for our relationship. And I think that's where people come back to that point is they have their own perception of how you're supposed to move and how yes. long mm-hmm. and what things you should do. And that's hard. And there's only one of you. Yes. And, and you have to do what you think is in your best interests to grow, to heal, and ultimately just celebrate life. I mean, we have one opportunity. We can spend our time in mourning, doing nothing, or we can go out there and live each day to the fullest. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, self-care is really the most important thing in life in general, especially when you're mourning or, or in grief. Because you're the only one who really knows what you're feeling and thinking and what you need. And you, you just have to pay attention to you and see where that takes you. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, that's definitely an important aspect. We live our lives through our own lenses. And I people out there try to live their lives through somebody else trying to please them, trying to help them understand. And that's, again, that's not their marathon race. They're not in that. You're in that marathon race. You're going at your pace. You're going at your speed. You're making decisions. What you feel at that time is in your best interest. It's pretty exciting, you ask me. Celebration, happiness, they're always with you. You carry them in your hearts. You carry them with you. And who knows? Maybe if you feel like all of a sudden you stumble for a second, maybe it's your loved one knocking you over and, and all just trying to get a laugh. And I, kind of how you spin things around, which is really important. Yes. Uh, it's not a day that goes by. I don't miss my wife. I don't think about what my daughter has lost. But I work hard to compensate, not only for myself, but for her as well. Who knows? Who knows where we will be tomorrow? But that's why today is important to live. So you can turn and look back and say, I did all I can. That's right. Wow. Well, that sounds like a beautiful place for us to <laughs> tie this all together because it it uh, it's been so wonderful talking to you with your positive attitude. So so many times it's easy to get into a negative rut and yes. and get stuck there. And other people will join you there and pull you down there. And it's not worth it. It's it's much better to like both of us are smiling at this point because this was a real feel good talk. <laughs> yeah, you ever see somebody that you haven't seen on the streets hypothetically in years right mm-hmm. 
you greet each other. Hey, how are things going? Things are going great. Or, yeah, things are going great with me. You're like, okay, great. And both of you carry on your own weight, right? It's a short exchange. But if one person said, oh, my gosh, you won't believe what's happening to me. Or, oh, my gosh, this is what all of a sudden it turns into a long conversation. And what happens is you know, it, it becomes more interesting to somebody else to hear about somebody else's issues. And then when the time you do go apart, that interaction you haven't had for years was now filled with nothing but misery. So that's why I've learned something my grandfather used to say all the time that I've always uh, started picking up in years. When somebody asks, how are things? No matter how challenging your day is, no matter how rough things may seem or whatever unfavorable news you have found, Every day is a good day. That's all he would say, and nothing else mattered. Every day was truly a good day. And he taught me that. He taught my uncle that. He taught my cousins that. My aunt. People use it, and it really does bring a smile to people's faces. Every day is a good day. Nobody wants to hear about something else. If anything, let me show you how to have a great day. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I'm going to write that down to remember to use that. <laughs> so I think that's just perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on. And for our listeners, we're going to have in the show notes more about AJ and where you can get his book. And I, I guarantee you'll want to read it. It uh, you'll you'll be smiling. And it's uh, you know the hard things are in there too, but that makes the the smiles that much richer so i'm so happy you came on on the show and i send my me. best to you and your your daughter and your new puppy <laughs> and i look forward to hearing more from you in the future great thank you looking forward to doing this again and, and as always you know whenever you're struggling just know you're not alone just keep those yeah. people ah oh, perfect thank you Thank you. Aloha. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode 